The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Yesterday, we began looking at a sermon by Elder Buddy Abernathy, taken from Romans chapter 7, about the constant conflict between the old man and the new man. As we conclude the sermon today, we continue looking at the struggle within every regenerated child of God. The flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. Paul tells us elsewhere in his writings that the flesh is contrary to the Spirit and works against it constantly. But there is good news in the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ put away that old man for eternity, even though we still have to deal with him today. After the song, please stay tuned for the conclusion of this message entitled, When I Would Do Good, Evil is Present.
Now I'm going to try to give further proof to what I've set before you with regard to that expression of walking after the Spirit as opposed to walking after the flesh. Paul says they that are after the flesh. Notice this now. As I used to hear an old preacher say, Brother Chad remembers old Brother Hewlin Bass, he'd say, I'm going to thread a needle with you now. Watch carefully here. Paul says, they that are after the flesh. Not walking after the flesh, but they that are after the flesh. That's someone that's not born again. They're after the flesh. That's the motivating principle in them. The desire for sensual things, the desire for material things, the desire for the pride of life. That's the, that's the way a wicked man is. That's his nature. He's after the flesh. That's, that's the only working influence in him. And Paul says a person of that type, he minds... The things of the flesh. That means that that's what he's thinking about. That's his drive. He minds the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. What does it mean to be after the Spirit? It means that there's another influence inside of you. Now we know there's plenty of other scriptures such as what we've just read that prove that there's not people that are after the flesh and that's their only drive. And then there's also people that are after the Spirit and that's their only drive. No, there's these two kinds of people. There's people that are after the flesh, and that's their only drive. But based on what we've already read, there are people that are after the Spirit in terms of uh, the effects of regeneration, but they still have the old nature which is after the flesh. But Paul is establishing here, again, with, with great clarity, the difference between those that are born of God and those that are not born of God in terms of who they are as a whole person. An unregenerate man's whole person is after the flesh. What distinguishes the child of God from that man is there something in Him driven by the Spirit? God works in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. I think of another saying I heard that same preacher say, as a matter of fact. You know there in Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says, we are His workmanship. Now that's the chapter on the new birth. And he concludes at the end of that chapter saying, we're His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, 
which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God did not before ordain your walk. He before ordained good works and you ought to walk in them. You see, that's discipleship. Is seeing that you have been quickened. The first verse of that chapter says, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Seeing that you are now alive, you are now after the Spirit. Just because you're born again, you're after the Spirit. Now God has ordained good works and you ought to walk in them. By the way, to give you a little history of the Primitive Baptist Church, at one time it was quite common in articles of faith to say something like this. We believe that good works are only those things which are ordained or ordered by God. Our forefathers wanted to make it clear that good works were not equivalent to just going out and doing anything in the name of the Lord. You know, Paul talked to those Galatians and said, these false teachers, they zealously affect you, but not well. And that's a different subject, but there are many of God's children that are zealous, but it's for the wrong reason. Talk to Elder Luke Hagler sometime and he'll tell you all about that. How you can be zealous. Very zealous because you believe that it's your responsibility to save people. And therefore you're zealously affected by what you believe is the truth of God. But it's not well, is it? Paul then goes on to say, Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death. You know, this book of Romans is so concentrate with truth that a preacher could spend multiple hours diluting it not to take away its truth or its effectiveness, but for the sake of explaining it and, and making it uh, easier to understand. You say, well, why didn't the Apostle Paul write it that way? It's for one reason, God gave us His Word, which is inexhaustible, and you'll never see all of it. But you know, if you, if you read a book and you know all about it, why do you want to read it again? You know, you read a novel and you get to the end and, you know, I have movies that I watch more than once, but, you know, Tina was watching a movie the other day that happened to be one of my favorite movies and I said, okay, here's the movie you're watching. And all I could do was hear it and I said, here's what's going on right now and here's the man he's talking to and here's, about what's, here's, about, here's what's about to happen. But, you know, I've got it all figured out. But the Bible's not that way. The book of Proverbs is that way regarding practical living. Listen, the book of Romans is concentrate doctrinal truth. It's rich truth about salvation. The book of Proverbs is concentrate 
rich truth about practical living. You know, with another child on the way, and, and when I think of my grandchildren, I think about all those rich verses in Proverbs about training children. You know, those aren't suggestions. That's, that's what God knows. It's so easy, you know, to say, well, I, I just don't feel comfortable with that. Well, that's not the determining factor. Matter of fact, the reason you probably don't feel comfortable sometimes with the Word of God is because you've got that nature that still hates it. You've got that nature that still doesn't want to obey it. But notice what Paul says here as we get down to Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. He said, to be carnally minded is death. Now listen, that is, that is stating a condition, not a, not a, uh, a course of life. You say, Brother Buddy, what do you mean? Notice what he says. Carnally minded, that is a condition. Now your behavior is going to reflect that. But he says, carnal, a person who has a carnal mind, to be carnally minded is death. If that's the only nature you have, and there are people like that, that's death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It's important to make this clear that he's speaking primarily of the consequences of the condition someone is in by nature as well as the condition they're in by grace. Now, that doesn't mean you can just live however you want to live and you're going to have peace with the Lord. That's not what Paul's addressing here. He's addressing the, the uh, fruit that is produced by the influence of the Spirit and the child of God. The, the Spirit is going to produce life and peace. That's the law of the Spirit. That's the nature of the Spirit. That's the tendency of the Spirit. Carnal mindedness is death. Spiritual mindedness is life and peace. And then listen to this. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. The word enmity means hostile. An unregenerate person is hostile against God. That's why James said, and this ought to really convict us, James said, if you're a friend of the world, you're the enemy of God. If you coddle worldliness, if you... Say, well, I don't want to offend them. Everybody's got a right to their own belief and they're sincere and I want to get along with them and you know, I don't want to cause any unrest. Those people were labeled as adulterers. You ever thought about that? We've probably all been guilty of it, haven't we? He that will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Paul says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Now listen to this. Here's one of the most fundamental foundational truths of the doctrine of grace. 
He says, the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. If you're not born again, there's nothing about you that's subject to the law of God. As a matter of fact, there's nothing about you that has the ability to be subject to the law of God. So then, verse 8, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, you must say, wait a minute. We always talk about walking in the flesh, that so-and-so, they're, they're living an ungodly life, they're walking in the flesh. Here, Paul is saying, those that are in the flesh, that is, that's their only nature, is the flesh. They're in the flesh. Again, the context here is not discipleship. The context here is your condition. Now, I realize some, you, you may be thinking, and I don't want to falsely accuse you, you may say, Brother Buddy, why have we got to be so specific about this? Because if you don't rightly divide this, it will lead to false doctrine, which will lead to an overthrow of grace. You see, about 25 years ago, I lost fellowship with some friends of mine in the ministry because they began to go astray and begin to say, you know, if, if you really are a child of God, you'll be walking after the Spirit. And, you know, a casual reading of these verses might lead you to think that. But remember, this man has just finished writing, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Would he then say, listen, if you're walking after the Spirit, that's the way you know you're a child of God. So you better start walking after the Spirit. That's not what he's talking about. They that are in the flesh cannot please God, now notice this, we're finally going to get to something that's good and encouraging. But you're not in the flesh. He didn't say you don't have a flesh nature. You're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. That word dwell means to abide and to influence, to inhabit. Paul says, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. The question is, how did the Spirit of God get there? You know the answer to that. I quoted the verse this morning that I've quoted many times where Paul said, because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your heart crying, Abba, Father. He didn't send him to the door to start knocking to see if you'd let him in. No, he sent him into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. All of you know Elder uh, Lonnie Mazingo Jr. He told the story one time of when he had went with his friends to another church and 
he was somewhat getting confused about what our beliefs were. And he said, Daddy, they said that God is knocking on your hearts and if you'll just let Him in, then He'll save you. And they even showed... Uh, they even referred to where the Bible says that. And his daddy said, okay, son, here's what we're going to do. I want, uh, I want uh, you to stay inside, and I'll go outside, and you close the door, and I'll be the Lord, and you pretend like I'm knocking on your heart. And when I knock on the door, I want you to open it just enough where you can peek out and decide if you want to let me in. So they set that up and his daddy knocked on the door and he said, when I cracked the door, daddy just slammed it open and, and, I, and I, was I fell to the ground. And he said, son, when the Lord gets ready to regenerate you, that's how it happens. He doesn't knock on the door. He knocks it down. Now again, if we're going to rightly divide the word of truth, God is knocking on the door of your heart as a child of God. And you know He is. You know when you're not living right, the Lord's knocking. And the Lord's saying, if you'll turn around, you'll change directions, I'll come in and sup with you and you with me. You're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That's, that's sort of plain, isn't it? Like Elder Sonny Powell said, you can't misunderstand that without help. <laughs> now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. If you work with someone, if you, if you are required because of your job to associate with people that have no interest in God, that hate God, that love sin, there's no need for you to try to get through to them. Because if, they don't, if you see no evidence of the Spirit of God, and if you, all you see is someone walking after the flesh, see, here's some practical implications. And you need to understand that you can't work where God's not working. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. Being born again doesn't change the fact that your body's under the curse of sin and it's going to die. But the spirit of life, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And then look at this verse we want to conclude with. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, now that says, if the Spirit dwells in you. How do you know? We've already established that. Do you feel condemned? Do you feel like you're in a struggle? Do you feel that you're always missing the mark? That's evidence that the Spirit dwells in you. If the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken 
your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwells in you. You know what that's saying? That's saying the Spirit of God that's already dwelling in you as a born-again child of God is going to one day quicken, that means make alive your mortal body, that is God's children that have already died and that are in the graves. He is going to quicken, make alive their mortal body He's going to make it alive by the same Spirit that dwelt in that mortal body as a new creation in Christ. That same Spirit. You know, and to me that harmonizes so well with what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4 when he said, "Them that's at the resurrection, he said, them that sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Those that have already left the body, those bodies that are in the grave, those people are now in spirit with Jesus. And when He comes back to resurrect the dead, He's going to bring them with Him. And then that, listen, that same spirit that dwelt in them as a child of God is now going to quicken their mortal body. And if that spirit's going to quicken their mortal body and their soul, their spirit has come back with Jesus, that's going to be a reunion, isn't it? That's going to be a reunion of soul, body, and spirit. That's going to be the final consummation of all things. That's going to be, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and of course, I did what you can always depend on us preachers to do, and that's lie to you about what the last verse is going to be. But look in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says after the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, 24, Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God. Amen. See, we're not looking for some kingdom here on earth. The kingdom's going to be delivered up. There's not going to be another kingdom set up here. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. That one's not defeated yet, is it? You know that's true because you know you're growing older. And one day you'll die if the Lord doesn't return before then. Let's remember that those that are after the Spirit to whom there is no condemnation are those who are born again those with whom the Spirit is working both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And you ought to actively walk after the things of the Spirit. But remember the difference. That there's a law of the Spirit, there's an operational principle of the Spirit that's true in every child of God. But then as His children, we need to daily crucify the old man. Daily 
try to lay aside those things that doth so easily beset us. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.